I don't know if you've heard any of the other sort of interviews that I've been putting up. Yeah, I listened to a couple of them, I think. It's been a while, though. Yeah, but basically, very casual, just trying to, um, you know, get a sense of how video games have impacted the lives of the people that is, is associated with Bonus Barrel, and, and it builds a little bit of a, of a story behind, like, the characters in Bonus Barrel. I don't know if it makes any sense. association game actually I have something to to test with you I come up with uh, 10 words and those words I usually you know have them pre-written but I thought it might, might be fun to use a randomizer I have a web page here and it's gonna give me uh, random moods or emotions so I'll say the word and I don't know what those words are gonna be and I want you to, your answer to be the first game that comes to mind. Okay, I like that. So the first word is lighthearted. Um, Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon, all right. The yeah. one for the Super Nintendo? Um, no, I'll pick a, a Wonderful Life. Next one, whoa, Dismal. Dismal, <laughs> oh, I don't think I've played enough bad games. Oh, I know, I must have something. If nothing comes to mind, we can pass. Yeah, let's 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 pass. All right, indecisive. <laughs> I swear that was the next one that appeared. <laughs> I think I might say Destiny One on this. Next one is peaceful. Peaceful. Ooh, I want to say Harvest Moon again. <laughs> I'll mix it up and say uh, Stardew Valley. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's different enough. Evasive. Dark Souls is the first thing that came to mind because of cool. the rolling and stuff. Let's do that. Next one is absorbed. Halo. That was the first one that came to mind. The it first got so one. absorbed in the multiplayer. Yeah. Inquisitive. Gravity Ghost. Gravity Ghost. Yeah, it's it's an indie game. Oh. It didn't do amazingly well, but I love it, and uh, it's, it's got a great story to it. Got some, some kids and stuff, so yeah. Okay, I'll look it up. Next one is festive. Animal Crossing. Hostile. Say uh, Amnesia the Dark Descent. It's spooky. Uh, next one is Hopeless. Um, Dark Souls came to mind again. <laughs> and the last one is Crushed. Um, Rocket League? Is when right. you blow up the other cars? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I like to ask is, uh, what's your first gaming memory? Um, my first gaming memory is actually probably one of my youngest memories in general. Um, is when we, as a family, got a, a Nintendo Entertainment System with uh, Super Mario Bros. and Duck Hunt uh, dual cartridge. I was like maybe three years old at the time. And you remember? Yeah, and I remember it. It's yeah, a super early memory. The only like... <laughs> Other memories I have when we lived in that apartment was uh, sticking a, a fork in one of the outlets. <laughs> what happened? What happened next? <laughs> I, I got shocked. 
And when you got the NES, do you remember what exactly? The box, opening the box, the smell of it? I remember playing it. I think my dad like set it up and started playing it on his own because he probably just assumed I was too young to play, which was probably true at the time. But uh, yeah, I remember watching it being played a lot. Um, I wanted to play it and stuff. I think I tried playing Mario, but like I couldn't really get it down. But Duck Hunt was something I could still do and enjoy. So yeah, I played that a bit. And how do you remember that it that it felt? Uh, just kind of wondrous, I think. Mm-hmm. It's it's always like when I play video games, I always wonder like what more is there to it, you know? How big is this game? How much how much stuff's in it? That kind of stuff. Felt like this is something that like you could play those games forever. Like there must be so much stuff they could do with like shooting ducks or you know being a little man jumping on Goombas. <laughs> Have you been able to recreate that same feeling? You know nowadays or or recently? Um, it's definitely harder. Nowadays, you know, part of that is, you know, I have a lot of experience with a lot of games and I generally know what's going to be in them, especially like yeah, trailers and like just how much research I do into games before I buy them because uh, I buy so few games nowadays. So, yeah, it's it, it's pretty rare that I do like pick up a game and uh, really get a sense of wonder from it. But I think uh, Dark Souls is is one that's like recreated that the most. And the sequels definitely do that. Bloodborne, I think, did a fantastic job of that because it did such a change in theme. When did you play Dark Souls for the first time? Yeah, when it first came out, uh, my friends and I were basically just looking for a co-op action game that we could play together because we played like sports games and uh, FPSs and stuff. We were just looking for a change. And uh, we heard that Dark Souls had online and it was like a fantasy action game, like the type we were looking for. So. So we uh, picked it up and quickly realized the online doesn't really work that way. But um, uh-huh. it, it slowly became like a realization that, oh, this game's actually really, really good. And even if it's really difficult to summon each other and actually play and fight bosses and stuff together, it's still really fun to talk about the game. And, you know, I think that brings back to like the wondrousness uh-huh. as well as like we, we got to share share that experience of like, you know, figuring out what's next, what's after the next boss. Uh, you know, what's what items are on what, what corpses and whatnot. When you were a kid, how important was it, you know, growing up or with your friends in school or something like that? Like, did, did it impact some of your, your life early on? Oh, oh, definitely. My family didn't have a lot of money at growing up. Like, having that NES, like, that early was, was pretty nice, but we were pretty far behind for, like, the rest of the consoles and stuff. You know, I had the Super Nintendo and most people had N64s. I finally got an N64 like a year before the GameCube came out. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I was only like half a year behind on the GameCube. But, you know, that's that's, that's kind of where we were at. So, you know, I was playing the older games and stuff. But I uh, made sure to make friends with people who had the uh, newer consoles. Games were always a very social kind of experience. It was pretty rare that I actually like played the console games by myself. Like, even if it was like Mario and meant to be like single player like that, I'd still prefer to play it with, I don't know, one of my siblings watching me or a friend over. It was the same kind of deal. Like when I went over to other people's houses, I was completely content, you know, watching them play a game because mm-hmm. like, it was still really interesting to me.
It seems that games were definitely important to you growing up. And then you mentioned the GameCube. And I want to touch a little bit on that because I know that you're a big fan of Melee, right? Uh, yep. Still play it pretty often. <laughs> How did that came to your life? Um, so I had a cousin who had an N64 and the only game he really played on it was Super Smash Bros. And he was, I think he's four years older than I am. Uh, so it was pretty hard to play with him because he just kind of like wreck us all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was before we got an N64 as well. Anyways, his family went away on vacation. So they're like, here, how about you guys borrow the N64 for a while? Like, it's just going to be in our house for two weeks, not doing anything. Like, you guys may as well get some enjoyment out of it. So we borrowed it. And uh, he had one other game that I can't even remember because I wasn't really into. But he also had Smash Bros. So I actually got to play a lot of it uh, by myself then. And I uh, enjoyed it quite a lot. You know, I had friends over. We played it. And yeah, that, that, was, that was all great and stuff. But uh, whenever the GameCube came out in Melee... You know, was announced and it was a big thing. I was like, "Yeah, I, I have to get this game." Mm -hmm. um, and my friends wanted to get it as well. So, and not just my friends either. It was uh, the neighborhood kids, like my friends who lived down the road. We made sure we got it, and uh, yeah, we picked it up and we played it a good bit. It wasn't really with like competitive intent. We did a lot more of a uh, big high rule stage, right? Um, yeah, just did a lot of like playing around, goofing on that, you know setting the uh, item spawns to be like just pokeballs and you know max spawn rate <laughs> you know did a lot of that kind of fun stuff i always played link because link is cool uh, uh -huh. liked him and uh yeah we just played it played it for a long while um eventually died off you know new games came out we got a bit tired of it like with any other game yeah 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 but uh it came back into my life probably three years ago there was this big thing called um project m it was a mod for a uh, super smash bros brawl for the wii mm -hmm. which i did have but didn't i didn't enjoy that game very much because of the slower pace of it yeah so my buddy and i um picked up the mod like got it on and we we're like oh this is actually really really cool and eventually we heard about some other people like hosting tournaments to play this game so we went there and played and you know started getting involved in in that kind of scene and uh Funny enough, another person who was into it was uh, one, one of those neighborhood kids who I uh, played Melee with. Oh, and, really? Uh, you haven't seen I, this guy like, since, since those days? Yeah, yeah, eventually I moved out of that neighborhood, right? And we just kind of like stopped yeah. being friends after uh -huh. that. So yeah, I got to re reconnect with him and me, my other friend and him, like kind of became like this kind of like core group, like we practiced with each other um, and that kind of stuff. That was a lot of fun, but eventually people were like, well, Project M's is fun. It's just trying to recreate Melee. Why don't we start moving the whole PEI scene over to uh, playing Melee again? As it's ups and downs, there's there's fewer viable characters in Melee, which is kind of unfortunate for like you know people in Project M who played like uh, DDD or um, Ike because there isn't really characters similar to that that you can play in Melee. Mm -hmm. But uh, eventually, you know, most people did transition. They found new characters and whatnot. Yeah, we got very, very into it. I think it was two years ago. I actually went to uh, Toronto for the uh, Get On My Level 2016. Oh. Yeah, we uh, took a bus there along with like all the other like Atlantic Smash players. There's a lot of people in that bus, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a super fun road trip. Uh, like a fantastic time. But but yeah, we we played a bunch of it. Eventually, I fell out of it a little bit to um, 
it's because I got busy, um, you know, with the YouTube channel, which I'm sure we'll touch on as well as uh, work stuff. So I stopped attending the local tournaments and stuff, but um, I'm actually picking it up again now. I want to go back a little bit, but before that, you didn't mention Smash 4. So did you also play that? Um, I've only played a little bit of Smash 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a Wii U, but I don't know, just playing the game. like I, I did actually, I picked it up for the 3DS when it came out on that. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> um, I, I played that a fair bit, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just not the game for me. And that was like, unlike Brawl, where it was like, there's there's still some fun, but I just didn't really like it. And I didn't really know why. Uh, when Smash 4 came out, I had already been into like Project M and Melee and stuff. And I just knew like, this this game doesn't behave like Melee. Like, I, I want that, the fast pace. I want, you know, the extra options that are provided by, you know, the advanced techniques like a wave dashing and whatnot. Yes. Um, and... Yeah, Smash Four didn't didn't have that. It just didn't scratch the itch I wanted it to. So I, I just stuck with Melee because, you know, thank, thankfully both games kind of had a live competitive scene. So you know, if you if you liked both, sweet, you could play both. If you like just one or just the other, then you can play that. Let's go back a little bit. So you didn't get super heavy into like the competitive scene early on, right? Yeah, but I don't think it really existed either. That's probably true. Yeah. And then, like, I know for a fact that you ended up working in the industry because we yep. we were together. What was your road to it? Was it a goal of yours to eventually uh, get in? Did you go to school for it? Like, uh... um, Yeah, so, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Like, when I was a kid playing those video games, like, all, like I really, really wanted to make video games myself professionally. But, you know, that just seemed like one of those dream jobs that don't actually exist or you can't actually do yes, or whatever. So, you know, that's, that's what it was in my head for a long time. So, you know, I'd always considered other options, uh, pretty, pretty, uh, for a range of options too. Like I wanted to be a chef for a while. Um, and I, I do still like cooking, but like, I can't imagine actually doing that for a job now. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to be a, a lawyer. Um, you know, I really like the uh, technical thinking required for it and stuff. You know, it's it's not it's obviously not where where I ended up going. Um, I don't know if there really was a moment like like making games solidified as a possible thing in my head. It, I think it was more of a of a slow realization. A big part of what brought me there though was um, pretty early on. I had found this thing called Game Maker. Perhaps you heard of it. It's owned by Yo-Yo Games now. But uh, back then, what it was is it was just a, a tool that a teacher and I think he's from the Netherlands had developed to help uh, teach game development. And um, he actually fleshed out this tool pretty well. You could actually make games with it and stuff. And, you know, I, I started started making games on my own. And, you know, at first them were just like rips offs of tutorials and stuff like that. But um, eventually I started making games that I felt like were truly mine. Uh, one of the first first ones that I have a good memory of was a, uh, a paintball game because I was kind of into like paintballing at the time. Uh-huh. I was in a, for reference, I was in like grade seven or eight around this time. Really young. So yeah, 12 or 13 years old. And, um, you know, I was like, whenever I had people over, I was like, hey, play this game I made. And, you know, I found I got a lot of enjoyment out of uh, people playing games that I had created and enjoying, like seeing them enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that really spoke to me a lot. So, you know, it's something that I kept doing. Um, 
you know, partially because like these are games that I wanted to play as well. Like even to this day, there isn't a there isn't a good game for like a paintball experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a couple of paintball games, but they were just kind of I don't know they they felt cheap or whatever. Um, yeah, so you know that's that's kind of like why I mean I made the games I did back then, and none of them were like super particularly good, but you know you can have fun with them for for a little while. And eventually, at some point in high school, you know, I realized. Or I guess I didn't really realize. I, I just got into computers and stuff more, and I, I started to realize that programming wasn't really that hard. And you know, part of that is Game Maker as well, because you know the the main part of it really is the drag and drop type things to make stuff happen. But uh, it actually translates into code really well, um, and it has its own coding language in a GML. So I got to do some coding, get some experience with that, and. Uh, you know, that kind of led me into high school where I started doing some actual programming. I think I think a lot of the biggest, like, first step I made into that was using a C-sharp and a Microsoft's XNA platform that, like, lets you develop for the 360. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that was really, really cool. And I, I don't think I actually ended up making any, like, full games or anything. I just ended up making little, not even, like, prototype things, but just, like programming to make mechanics work such as like destroying boxes or you know even just shooting uh character movement that that type of stuff and uh that got me pretty into it and you know i realized there there is a career path for programming um so that that's when i realized at the very least i was going to do programming and if i could make that be games then that would be fantastic and it didn't take me too long to realize that the local university here had a programming course for video games uh it had like a video game specialization to its programming course and its programming course is actually one of the better ones in our general region so that's that's what i took it's kind of funny like it it starts off really early on there's a lot of people in the programming course if you've, you've never done programming or had any like experience with that kind of stuff then it is a doozy but for me i already had experience with programming stuff so it was it was kind of easy, and there was definitely a divide in the class of people who had programming experience and people that didn't. Uh-huh. Um, so I actually ended up making a bunch of friends with uh, the people who had programming experience, and you know some of them I'm still friends with today, and some of them I still work with. But yeah, so I, I went through the university course. The last two years of it's where it really where the video game stuff gets into it. It's it's really programming focused, uh-huh. so we got to do a lot of that, and it culminates in an end of year project. We made a. Uh, Kind of an Advanced Wars ripoff. That was that was a game I, I really loved as a kid. Um, probably my most played like handheld game. I actually ended up doing a lot of the uh, design and production type work that comes along in doing it, such mm-hmm. as like coming up with tasks for people, giving them time estimates, like handing them out to people, making sure people. We did like a uh, 14 hours every two weeks, just because you know school and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I handed out 14 hours of work to everybody every two weeks. Um, and also handled a lot of a lot of the design of the game. What enemies are going to be in here? Uh, what should they look like? Um, how much damage do they need to do? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, that went great. Actually, if you want to look it up, search uh, Waratorium on uh, YouTube. There's a video there of me explaining it. Uh, we had some mic issues, unfortunately, so the audio is pretty bad, but. How that happened was a little bit weird. So, like, 
I applied at one place for like a video game programmer, uh-huh. and uh, they made me an offer. But I had applied at another place, as as well. And at the time I got that offer, they were like, "Hey, do you want to come in for an interview?" I wanted to work at the other place a lot more. It was a lot bigger, a lot, a lot nicer opportunity, more job security, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But the job offer was like, we need to know ASAP. So after after consulting with with a few people, um, I kind of made the choice: is I'm going to turn down that job offer so I can get a chance at working at the place that I wanted to work at. Eventually, I did get that interview, and the interview I, I felt like it went okay. I was pretty happy with it. Um, but I got a call a couple of weeks later and they were like, yeah, I don't think being a programmer here is the right fit for you. However, we have soon to be open design position. Uh, maybe you'd be interested in that. So why don't you, why don't you come in? And, uh, it was, it was kind of like a, a snap realization. It's like a game designer is really a better fit for me than a straight up programmer. Like. I'm pretty good at programming, I think. Um, I still do it, but what I'm really like interested in and driven to do is is the game design side of it. Um, so I ended up getting that job, and that's that's how uh, we we ended up working together. So you got told by the engineering department, yeah, at your interview. So so what? <laughs> this is funny to me. Um, because I also got told that, but very later on, I was in my fourth year of being a programmer when I got told that. What do you think it happened? What do you think you said? Or So the main thing is the position I was applying for, like the person who would be like my manager, the one like who really cares about what kind of work I put out. Yeah. Um, he, has, he has a very technical programming mindset. And, you know, myself personally, like when he asked me what my favorite programming language was, um, I answered C sharp because it takes a look care of a lot of the things for you. But if you do want to do more technical things then then you can, um, and that, that's not his approach. I think he would rather work in C if he could, mm-hmm. you know, it's significantly more technical and a lot of it, him and I, like we get along fine. It was just like, you know, we have different approaches to programming. I think he wasn't really interested in, um, however, there was another programmer there, um, who also taught my courses and stuff. And he knew I was, I was, you know, decent at what I do, a hard worker and, you know, had a lot of passion and stuff. So I think he was the one who like really took that extra step to uh, make sure I did get a job there, um, you know, through the game design position. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's my understanding of, you know, how that happened. Did you mention something about gameplay, you know, purpose or I don't know, something oh, beyond, yeah, I'm sure. beyond the technical stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there was there was that kind of stuff too. Like, yeah, they they ask you some like basic questions, like you know, what's what's your favorite game? What are you playing currently? What oh, what I do see. you like about it? And I think I answered those in like the way a designer would answer them, right? Like, it's like I really like Dark Souls because it has a, it has a tight tight combat system and like uh, it doesn't dish the story out to you like on a silver platter. You know, you have to you have to search for it and. Um, you know, I probably also talked about really liking Halo and the competitive side of that because, you know, they made a, they made controller FPS that like, and and the game is based around that controller, right? Like there's a lot of smart decisions and stuff there. Um, so kind of like talking that way, I I think was probably part of it. So by the time we worked together, I remember you already had some experience within the, within the company. Yeah. So 
I was actually replacing a uh, co-op student mm-hmm. uh, who was there at the time. And I was doing level design on this uh, project that ultimately ended up being canceled. Um, uh-huh. yeah, so I did, I started off with doing level design and, you know, that project, it was like, oh, this isn't working. We need to go back to the drawing board, you know, coming up with what else we could do. So I had done a lot, a lot of design stuff there. Yeah, eventually it was it was like, yeah, this really isn't working. We need to make this team even smaller. Um, so then I got I, I got cut out of that team and put onto the uh, bigger project with uh, with you. And that's yeah, that's where you trained me in what uh, what you do. It's very interesting, and it's and it's very cool that you got started at a smaller team where they were doing a lot of the conceptualization, you know, pitching ideas. How was yeah. that for you? Was it similar to the stuff that you were doing in your uh, school projects, or was it very different? Or, um, I think it was it was really really different, right? Because the, the school stuff was always really focused on, um, you know, programming. Like first and foremost, it was a computer science degree. Like, yeah, there was a lot of like heady math to what we were doing, and then programming to supplement that. So working on like an ideation team to come up with like game ideas, and you know, a lot of that too is like we get a little bit of direction from like the leadership of the studio. We get a little bit of direction from uh, this, this was going to be a licensed product. So we got, you know, direction from, you know, the people who own that license and, you know, basically you're given that and you're like, okay, how do we make the best game we can out of that? And, you know, it, it, was, it was kind of fun. We got to try a bunch of different approaches. There was a lot of the work was actually just talking through ideas with other people and then, you know, writing those ideas down. <laughs> Yeah, it was not something I was used to at all, but was filling up these notebooks with scribbles of like game ideas and uh, different things we could do with the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's also the kind of like realization that, you know, we would put like a good few weeks into one path and then we were just like, we, there's not enough distance for us to go here. We can't, we can't actually flush out a full, full game with like this path we're headed down. So, we knew we needed to go back to the drawing board, but you know we also didn't really have time because we had to present something because you know our leadership was expecting something. Yeah. So um, there are two things I want to touch on that. The first one is what you were saying is that when you were at school, the focus was more of a technical implementation, like how are we going to actually build this, right? Maybe it felt yeah. more like an engineering team in a way. I don't know. In the work experience, the focus would be more like on the general idea and technical implementation is just, you know, something that engineering does. Maybe, I don't know. You'll, yeah. you'll confirm. And the other is you mentioned this thing about an idea, not giving you the depth that you required. Let's touch on the, on the first thing first. I, am I correct in my assessment? Yeah. Yeah. So school is really like, you know, what technologies are you, are you learning? That's going to like advance your programming capabilities. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was backed up by, really difficult math courses and you know you, you wanted to tie those things together it felt really detached from games other than the technologies we were using were games focused yeah because at work probably especially in an ideation team you know technical technical implementation wouldn't be touched that much especially if you are not in the engineering team um, yeah so we just had like a couple of engineers like on the team with us and we were basically just like throwing ideas at them like hey could you prototype this this wild idea for us it was really yeah the implementation was out of my hands i didn't need to really think about it anymore exactly (laughs) now you 
being in the design team, you're talking about certain ideas and you try to flesh it out. What are the sort of things that you guys had to analyze to realize, hey, this is the right idea or not the right idea? How would you either choose to, you know, to stop pursuing that or to continue? Uh, it's it's pretty tough. I, I find this is like how it is with a lot of game design stuff. Is it's actually there's gut feelings that you get, and you need to you need to like come to understand those gut feelings, be able to explain them and vocalize them, and like make cogent arguments based on these like gut feelings that you get early on. And usually they will reveal themselves if you give them enough time. Um, but like the earlier you can try to understand what that is, the better. And um, yeah, this this was definitely like an early on feeling for me, but I, I think where it really came from was, you know, the other designer and I talking about what, what the game is and what we can do and trying our hardest to like list things out, you know. Maybe, you know, you, you started off and you're, you're just like, oh, I might just be having a, a bad day. Like, I'm not, not creative today. Um, I'll come back tomorrow and try to think of more ideas for where we could take this. Eventually, you can't write that off anymore as, you know, I'm not having creative days. At, mm. at some point, you're like, no, this idea in general is just too hard to work with. There, there's a lot of ideas that you'll have while creating games, and you can't get it too attached to any of them. <laughs> they, they will get killed one way or another. Um, mm -hmm. uh, some, of, some of them will live, and you'll be super, super proud. But uh, if you get too attached to ideas early on, then you're, you're actually probably going to miss opportunities by not being willing to kill them and replace them with something better. And I think this was really just my first lesson of, of what that, what that really entailed. Um, but you know, it was also kind of, kind of nice because it wasn't, wasn't an idea that I loved either that I got to learn that on. It was just, just an idea I'd put a lot of my time and effort into. So I, I didn't get the, the full heartbreak of my first, first killed idea being something I was in love with, but begin my path of learning um, just, just how, how quickly ideas can come and go in, in the game industry, even if it's something that a bunch of people put a bunch of effort into. Yeah. I think that was a very valuable lesson early on because... Oh, definitely. Being a designer is... It's, you expose yourself a lot, right? You have to yeah. like think about something that is, is not just like an idea that you just came up with, right? It needs to be rationalized. It needs to be you know, fleshed out to the point where you can explain and answer questions about it. Like, how are you going to make money out of it? How is this going to last for two or three years or something like that? That yeah. is that you cannot answer unless you have a really good idea of what you're talking about. And to me, it's, it's still inevitable to not get attached to an idea because you're thinking about it so hard you keep going to it and keep going to it and it's, it's it's almost like trying to to establish a relationship with a person in a way it's kind of like yeah. you're, you're you're developing that that relationship with this idea and, and that changes and by the time you are ready to to explain the idea uh, you already have some level of attachment to it so it's really really hard when you expose yourself finally you start to explain this idea and then all of a sudden people are, you know, destroying your idea, right? It's like, they're, they're, because that is what, what we as designers do. We are very skeptical, right? When, yeah. when you are listening to another designer, 
you are not trying to understand how it works, but most like um, how it doesn't work. So you keep asking these questions like, but how, how do you address this thing and this other thing? But what you're saying is inconsistent with this other thing. So it's very yeah. easy in those in those types of situations, especially in meetings, that an idea just gets gets dismissed in, in a minute, right? Where you've been working for hours or maybe days on something, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. My visualization for like ideas and stuff is that like whenever you come come up with an idea that is a big old sheet and it has a bunch of holes in it and your job as a designer is to first of all find and locate all those holes yeah. and figure out how is how easy is it to uh, patch them up you know and the really good ideas they pretty much patch themselves up you know you, you get to feel really happy it's like oh this is a potential area but it's it's actually fine there's other holes that aren't so easy to patch and you know when you stumble across those themselves if you can't figure out something for it then you're probably going to kill the idea yourself mm -hmm. but you know eventually you, you do need to present this this big sheet uh to people and you, you want to have all those holes patched up or dealt with in some way before you do that and when you do present it to them then what they're doing is they're just looking for the holes in that sheet and uh it, it can be really really easy to miss and, you know, the other thing, too, is like you might come across a hole and be like, eh, whatever, this isn't a big deal. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, you present it to somebody else and they'll actually be like, no, this is a deal breaker. Like, we can't have that. And, you know, this is how it is sometimes. Yeah. I don't know how it is for you, but in my experience being a designer, it's a lot about the edge cases. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I mean with those those holes. Yeah, it's, I know. Yeah. Like even even that idea can get approved, and you're like, yeah, those are edge cases. I'll 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 deal with that later, right? And yeah. then when you're talking to engineering, like the first thing that, that comes up is like all of the edge cases, right? Yeah. You, you you explain all the yeah, this is how it's gonna work, and it's gonna do this and this and that. And then the first question is, what happens if X, right? And then you're like, oh man. I remember when I think we were just starting the show and and we were in a, in a meeting or something like that and and you were one of the very first person that mentioned the show to me that wasn't you know Rob or or Lev or Marshall <laughs> yeah I think it was Marshall at the time Lev wasn't even on <laughs> yeah it, it was always something that I was kind of like interested in like doing as well so like yeah when you guys started up yeah and at, at the time you weren't doing any, any of the sorts? No, I hadn't done done much of anything at all, no. How do you start doing, you know, content? So I think at, at that time I was still living with my parents. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was looking to move out. Eventually I did move out with uh, two buddies of mine. And, uh, you know, one of them was also interested in getting into doing podcasting stuff. And, you know, we both liked games. Um, so we started the uh, Namecast podcast um, with the other guy as well. Um, he, he wasn't as involved because it wasn't something he was like super interested in, but you know, he, he was there at the beginning. Um, and yeah, we, we, we started doing the podcasting and then, uh, one night we were just playing dark souls, um, and having a few drinks. And I remember hearing about a, a dark souls drinking game. Uh, it's basically like whenever you die, you finish your drink. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there's, there's a few other rules and stuff, but we added a really big one to it. Whenever you're 
character heals. Like in that game, they drank like an Estus flask. It's like a potion. Um, so we were like, okay, you have to drink alongside your character. Like you have to match the animation. <laughs> and that actually made the game super, super hard because you had to take like a hand off the controller and, you know, combat's intense in that. So having one hand off is a big deal. So yeah, that made it really, really interesting for us. And we had, we had a lot of fun. So we were like, well, we already got this YouTube channel going for the podcast. Why don't, why don't we start doing, you know, drunk souls is what we called it, uh, videos. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and uh yeah we, we started doing that and you know it's, it's kind of funny we ended up getting drunk on camera quite quite a while and you know eventually we found our style of doing like a lot of cuts you know a lot of a lot of silly goofs you know that that really got us into it um you know a, a big side of what we liked was uh getting the quality up you know better gear uh doing more and more that way and you know that ended up leading us into our present present situation where we don't do stuff along that lines we don't do like gaming content anymore but mm -hmm. um my buddy he owns his own video production company now so he does it professionally as a job and uh me i'm working on a uh, dodgeball documentary right now following following around some of canada's best dodgeball players to uh lots of events and things so yeah it was kind of fun that it led us to there but you know there was there's also that that technical learning that doing that kind of stuff but also you know, being on podcasts, we learned a lot that way. You know, we got to learn how to, how to speak, how to make it entertaining, um, a whole bunch of different formats and stuff. And yeah, we tried around a lot. We ended up doing like five or six seasons of Namecast. Uh, I think it totaled like 150 episodes or something like that. Nice. Um, so yeah, it, eventually it came to an end just because we got so busy with doing doing other things. Yeah. Um, but. It's something I'm very interested in doing again at some point. Probably less so podcasting, um, but more so doing like a video essay style videos based on games and stuff like that. Because I feel like I can bring a lot of the game designer perspective to uh, to a lot of the games I love, kind of explain. You know, there's a few things I'd like to explain. Um, the interactions between all the systems in Persona 5, for example. Um, you know, how exactly Halo 3 or not Halo 3, but Halo, Halo multiplayer is like really takes advantage of the controller and why it works so well. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. I have a lot of topics like that that I would like to talk about that are kind of technical and take a certain perspective. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I'll get back into the gaming content at some point in the future. I look forward to it. It sounds very interesting. It sounds like the kind of stuff that I would be into it. When When you're doing content... What motivates you? Like, what, what is the kind of thing that you would like to put out there? Like, what are you aiming for? Um, that's it's something that I think it took us a really long time to kind of understand because a lot of it is just like a lot of what motivated us to do what we did was basically just learning. We wanted to try new things and yeah, kind of kind of learn how to how to do different things. But a lot of the time doing that didn't really line up with the type of content we wanted to do you know getting drunk and being goofy on camera is, is great and all um and it, it was a fun time <laughs> but uh -huh. it, it also wasn't really content that i myself would watch a lot of like that video essay type stuff is is the stuff i watch um so that's why i want to make it in the future but but yeah it was kind of weird a lot for a lot of it the motivation came from uh came from learning learning the new stuff and uh, I, I'm still not sure if I know how to motivate myself to make 
the stuff I want to watch as well. Like I'm going to have to probably learn either like do something really technical with it so that I always feel like I'm learning or uh, find, find some new angle for motivation. It's funny that you mentioned that because I think when we started Bonus Barrel, I don't think we were aiming, aiming at what we actually put out there early on, but we put something out, right? And then yeah. you start understanding what is it that the interactions that you are having allow you to do. We were like pulling in different directions, like, let's do this, let's do that. We were watching a lot of content too, right? The kind of content that I liked the most was very different <laughs> to what Bonus World really was. And in a way, it was kind of like, uh, you're not guiding that idea, but the idea is guiding you in a, in a way. So yeah, that's something definitely that... a discovery process to it. Exactly. Right? You, have to, you have to discover what it is that you are. And I think yeah. that's especially true when it's, you know, collaboration, you know, there's multiple people, like not any one person can like have full control over what it is. You know, it's kind of this thing that you all create together. Yeah. So if you're okay with it, I would like to ask you these, uh, these 10 questions to finish the session. Let's do okay? it. All right. So first one is very, very easy. Uh, it's a game you love. Uh, Dark Souls. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, a game you hate. Uh, a game I hate. Um, oh, it's got to be something. Uh, can I say Super Paper Mario? Because it was the beginning of that series, like, being ruined. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Of I've... course you can say that. <laughs> I would encourage you to say that. I completely agree. I completely yeah. I agree. played most of that game. Like I think I beat it, but like the whole time I was disappointed. <laughs> you know what? I was disappointed that not because of the game. I was disappointed that it was called Paper Mario because that's fair. That, yeah, that, that is not Paper Mario. the The game is actually very, very interesting, and I would have loved that to be its own IP because there's, there's yeah. so much potential in those mechanics. It's just you know why did you did it have to be Paper Mario, right? It's like yeah, I still don't think they even did a great job of exploring the mechanics in the game itself. Number three is what turns you on in this is games wise, of course. <laughs> what turns me on in games? Yeah, I think I really like. Um... Games where, it's hard to explain, games where one mechanic in its system obviously leads into the next. I think Persona is really one of the best examples of this, where, you know, you have the out of dungeon parts where you're training up your stats and boosting your relationships. Um, training your stats helps you boost your relationships. Uh, boosting your relationships helps you in the dungeons where you, you fight enemies and that moves you forward in the game. But yeah, and like everything kind of like comes full circle there, even though they're very like discrete systems. So I, I think when a game's pretty obvious about like just how it does that, like I'm just like, yeah, I know I'm going to like this game. Next question. A sound effect that you love. There is this sound effect that gets used for like beasts and creatures all the time. Um, in World of Warcraft, it's used on boars, but you hear it all over the place. And whenever I hear it, I'm like, oh, it's that one. Um, and I think it's, I don't know. I, I like, I wanted to research and like figure out what it is, but I, I believe it's like a kind of more natural recreation of, uh, one of the, uh, monster sounds from doom. Next one is a sound effect that you hate. Any kind of like spooky stuff that you can hear off in the distance. Um, especially if it's like chattering or it sounds like, you know, it could be vocalized by a human. Dark Souls 3 does a lot of it and like it just 
Oh, it bothers me. <laughs> uh, next question is, your favorite in-game power-up or weapon? Uh, my favorite weapon in a video game is the Sniper and Halo 3. I think it's just like, this is golden. Like Everything about it is just like perfect. It's the Goldilocks of a, what a power weapon should be. Next question. Uh, game characters that you would like to be? Oh, most game characters have a very rough. I think I would like to be... I think an Animal Crossing villager. It's <laughs> such a peaceful life. Like, <laughs> seems great. Good answer, yeah. Uh, a game character that you would not like to be. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm just going to answer, like, anybody in Dark Souls. <laughs> I mean, like, most, most of those, they're undead. They come back to life, like, all the time. <laughs> and, like, they end up losing their minds. It's just, oh, it's a horrid, horrid life. And the last question. Imagine you could play any game. Real or imaginary? What game that would be? I think it would be a sequel to F Zero or some something that hits that that theming correctly, but like makes it like a huge, huge game. Um, there's a little bit of like customization stuff you could do in like F Zero GX or whatever, but like I, I just love that theme. Like, uh, yeah, I think a uh, Red Line is a movie that has that theme as well. I just love that. I want more of it, and there's, there's nothing that doesn't well. Mm-hmm.